Welcome, my friends, to the That's Ball Folks podcast. I'm your host, Josh Reynolds. This is episode 14 with special guest Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Keith is a Philly legend. He is a legend as far as covering the Sixers go and Philly media, everything like that. So it was a real honor to have him on. Super excited for you guys to hear that conversation, and we'll jump to it in a second. How's everybody doing? We finally had some movement in the NBA. Patrick Beverly gets traded. Poor Chet Holmgren is down and out. Yikes. Donovan Mitchell news. I mean, is it actually going to happen? RJ Barrett gets extended. There's at least some movement, which is which is great because we've been talking about it for forever. And I'm excited about it. So let's start with that. Let's start with the RJ Barrett extension. Now, I don't know if the Knicks ever planned on actually including RJ Barrett in trade talks with the Jazz or if this is all part of their plan. But basically what we were told, and this is all according to Woj, who's tweeting this all last night, is that the Knicks had given the Jazz an offer, maybe multiple, and said, hey, we've got a Monday deadline. If you don't meet our Monday deadline, then we're going to move on and we're going to do some things that we want to do. Now, clearly that was not met and the Jazz were like, great, we're not doing that. And the Knicks decided to extend RJ Barrett. Now, with this extension, it becomes very tricky to trade him, meaning he has what they call the poison pill provision. What a poison pill provision is, it basically is a back end heavy extension, meaning he is going to, this extension's four years, he is going to get paid a lot in the last couple of years. Why this makes it difficult to trade is that puts teams like the Jazz, who are looking to rebuild, in a very tough spot a couple years down the road, salary cap-wise. Now, this is fascinating, absolutely fascinating. But Woj tweeted out of 179 NBA players who've had the poison pill restriction, only one of them, Devin Harris in 2008, was traded. Not great. Not great if you're a Jazz fan and you actually wanted R.J. Barrett. Not looking like it's going to happen. However, I still think this is going to happen. I still think the Knicks are going to give up a lot. They're going to give up a bunch of picks. They're going to give up Grimes. They're going to give up Obi Toppin. And they will get Donovan Mitchell. And I think this is, you're looking at this from a Knicks perspective, this is exactly what you want. You didn't want to include R.J. Barrett in a trade for Donovan Mitchell. You want to pair those guys together. You want R.J. Barrett. You want Donovan Mitchell. You want Jalen Brunson. You want them on the floor together. Is there enough shots for R.J. Barrett and Donovan Mitchell? We'll find out. But that's what you want. That's what makes you better. If you give up R.J. Barrett for Donovan Mitchell as the Knicks, I don't think that that necessarily makes you, yes, it maybe makes you better right now, but in the long run, that's not going to make you a contender. Maybe you'll sneak into the bottom half of the playoffs in the East. But with those three guys together, they're for sure a playoff team. They do not scare me, but that's exciting times because it's better for the NBA when the Knicks are good. It's fun. Knicks fans are hilarious. You've seen all the New York talks, the microphones outside of Madison Square Garden. They're crazy, and they just want something to root for. So for their sake, I hope Donovan Mitchell goes home. I hope he goes to New York. I hope that ends up happening. For my Jazz fans, talking with you a bunch last night when all this is going down, I hope that this happens sooner rather than later so that you can start your process, you can start the rebuilding process and getting it going because you're going to have a million picks, so many. Now, I don't I don't think that another team will end up trading for Mitchell. I think it will be New York. As I mentioned a couple episodes ago, it's always been New York. 
I just read something that the Wizards feel like they're not out of the race, that they've got a package they can include. I don't know what that looks like as far as they've got some good young players, but I don't know what that looks like as far as draft pick compensation goes. So it's got to be New York. It's always been New York, and I'm fascinated to see. Now let's stick with the Jazz here for a little bit because, as I mentioned, Patrick Beverly was traded. Finally, finally we had some movement. Thank goodness, because it's been like we've just been holding our breath, waiting for something to happen, and finally it happened. So Patrick Beverly is sent to the U- to, from the Utah to the Los Angeles Lakers in exchange for Horton Tucker, who is hilarious because we have heard about how good Horton Tucker is for forever, and uh, Stanley Johnson. So let's talk about Horton Tucker for a second because... I think he's going to be the perfect guy for a rebuild like the Jazz are going through. I think he is your stereotypical overhyped in LA with the LA spotlight who's going to step into a role in Utah in a rebuilding year where he can do whatever he wants. And I think it's going to, he's going to shine. He's going to be great. Now, are those stats going to be a little bit empty because Utah is bad? That's to be seen. We'll see. Stanley Johnson, nice little younger guy, not fun, like he'll get minutes, whatever. I'm not worried about that. But Horton Tucker is a good piece for your rebuild. You want him on your roster when you actually get good. I think that's great. He's only going to get better from here. But Patrick Beverly on the Lakers is going to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating. Him and Russell Wilson, uh, (laughs) Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook hate each other. They hate each other. That's like not a secret. It's well documented. They hate each other have nothing but bad things to say about each other. I personally think Westbrook's traded. I don't see them on the roster together. I really don't. I think that Westbrook's going to get traded. Do I want to see them on the roster together? Absolutely. That's uh, every night. There uh, The possibility of them getting into it in the middle of the game, I will tune in. No question. <laughs> no question. <gasps> Magic Johnson, uh, I'm sure, I don't know if anybody follows him on Twitter, but I see his tweets all the time. They're like the most obvious stated tweets ever, and it's hilarious. But he tweeted after this and said, I used to hate Patrick Beverly when he played against my Lakers, LOL. But now I love him because he's on our team, and he's going to help my Lakers get to the playoffs. He really will. He's going to be great. Him alongside LeBron, like, he. I love Beverly. I've said it. I've been very... Uh, well-spoken about it, documented everything. I want a Patrick Beverly in Philly. He is a Philly guy. He is. I love how hard he plays. He's annoying as hell, and you want that guy on your team. And I think he's going to be great. He's going to be a perfect fit for the Lakers, and I'm excited for him because what a wild offseason he's had. But yeah, Patrick Beverly finally got the ball rolling. We got to mention this as well. Uh, One of the Morris twins, Markeith Morris, just signed with the Brooklyn Nets, the Sixers had looked at him. I'm sure he had a couple other options, but that is who he ended up signing with. He signed with the Nets. I think it's a great situation for him. Tough guy, kind of a, I mean, he's not, he's the worst of the two twins, but I think it's a great spot for him. Again, on paper, me and Keith talk about this, but on paper, the Nets should be really good. But as Keith mentions, they're ticking time bomb and you're just waiting for something bad to happen. Kyrie's going to retire. KD's going to demand another trade. Uh, ben Simmons, who, know, who knows what could happen. It's all wild. But on paper, the Brooklyn Nets actually look good. And I hate that they're in the East because I I just don't want to play them. And I've always said it too. If Durant wasn't going to Philly, which was a long shot, get him West. Get him out of the East. But 
That's not going to happen, at least as of now. I still think it might. We have to just mention something about Chet Holmgren, who has a Liz Frank injury in his foot, just had surgery today. I feel terrible, man. I really do. He heard it playing in that pro-am in Seattle that I was pumping everybody up on, saying how cool it was, and now he's out for the season, missing his rookie year, which really sucks because this is just a bad luck, unfortunate injury. Like, it's just terrible luck. But this was the one issue that a lot of people had was, was Holmgren too skinny and a dude with that body is going to get hurt. And it sucks that this happened even before we could see him play. Just a bummer. I don't care. I, nobody hates the Thunder, but I don't, I don't care who you are. People want to see him play, myself included, and that is a total bummer. And then it raises an interesting point. It's like, should he have been playing in that game anyway? Now, this injury is just dumb luck. Like, yes, hindsight, he probably should have just let LeBron on that fast break just go up and dunk it. But, man, it's it sucks. Do players play in Pro-Am still? Yes. I think this is just a really unfortunate, terrible luck situation. And uh, I'm bummed, man. I'm bummed for basketball fans. I'm bummed for everybody. That sucks. And I wish him a very speedy recovery because we want to see him back on the court. That's my little recap. That's that's everything we've missed in a week. Uh, some personal news. I've actually had a, a fun little time. Just got back from the VMAs. Uh, my wife and I went with some great friends and uh, family. We went to the VMAs, and it was awesome. Amazing. It was in New Jersey. Had a lot of fun. Uh, again, you know, I talk about it all the time. We love concerts, but this was like everybody's best songs all in the same place. It was pretty cool. However, let me say this. So I've had a standing agreement uh, with my uncle that no matter where Eminem performed live, because he never performs ever, it's been it's been forever. And when he does perform, it's like at a few, just a few venues, and it's like in Detroit, New York, whatever. So we've had a standing agreement that wherever Eminem's performing live, we were going to go, no matter where it was, when it was. So find out Eminem's performing at the VMAs. That was what solidified it. We literally decided the day before, great, we're flying out, we're going, and. That was the biggest bummer. I don't know how many people listening to this have watched the VMAs or watched them. Him and Snoop performed together. And half of it was like in the metaverse. And they were standing behind the stage. But where our seats were, we could see behind the stage. And they were rapping. And it was a song that I didn't know. I think it's a new song of him and Snoop's. What a bummer, man. That, that really was a letdown because he's the reason we went. So bummer there. Uh, but we got to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers, my wife's favorite band. They got some award and we saw them perform live for the third time in a month, which is pretty cool. And, uh, saw Nicki Minaj and everybody there. It was actually really fun. So shout out them, shout out Norm, Jake, everybody for making it happen. It was a blast. And, uh, I know you're listening. So very fun. This week's going to be awesome. I'm headed to Florida, going to the Utah, Florida game. I literally fly out there Friday night and am going strictly for the game and flying back. So really excited to report back on that. I can't believe college football's back. Felt so good to watch it. On our flight out to the VMAs, I watched Nebraska be Nebraska and the onside kick with a huge lead and end up blowing the lead. So it's that's how you know college football's back is Nebraska gets a bunch of hype and ends up letting you down again. But anyway, college football's back. Excited to return to report. And uh, yeah, it's going to be good. So without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Keith Pompey. Let's go. Man of the hour. He's got it figured out. 
joined by the Philadelphia legend himself, Keith Pompey. He's been with the Philadelphia Inquirer since 2004. This season will mark his 10th year covering the Sixers. He's also the host of Locked On 76ers. Keith, it's an honor to have you on here. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So as I mentioned, a bunch of my listeners obviously are Philadelphia fans, Philadelphia based. They know who you are. Um, I've got a following. I'm like, I'm told you I'm located out here in Utah. So got some fans in Utah who might not be as familiar considering jazz fans and Sixers fans don't necessarily see eye to eye. Um, but again, Philadelphia legend, truly an honor to have you on here. And again, I mean, when it comes to Sixers, you are the guy. So happy to chat some, uh, some Sixers hoop with you. No, thanks. Thanks, man. Thanks. Of, of course. So I want to dive right into it. I, I want to kind of just start at the top with your thoughts on this offseason with kind of Daryl Morey. Obviously, Morey is a big name. Everybody knows Daryl Morey. And I want to kind of hear your thoughts on what are your thoughts on his move so far? Do you think he's made enough this offseason? And then we can kind of dive into uh, individual players. But from the top, what, what do you think of Daryl's offseason? You know, I, I think this is probably his most impressive all season. I mean, I, I do. Um, you know, I, I feel like they still have another move to make. Um, but, I, but I also think that's one of those things where you look and you'll see what you have on the roster and what the weakness is. And then you can go from there, so to speak. But, you know, you look at last year's team, um, you know, it was a team that lacked a little bit of toughness. Yeah. And a lot of guys... Tobias Harris talked about it. Joel Embiid talked about it. Um, you know, at times Harden said, you know, guys, we got to get more physical. And when you go out there and you go out and you land a P.J. Tucker, um, a DeAnthony Melton, um, a Daniel House, that's what you're getting. You're, you're getting toughness. You're also getting guys who can, you know, play quality D and guys who can stretch the floor. And when you look at that, it helps it really fits in for, you know, Joel in regards to getting enough space to do what he needs to do. And also for James Harden, you can spread the floor and, and hope that he can be able to go to work and do what he has. So when I look at the moves that they made uh, from a roster building and, and building depth, you know, I, I really like the three, the, the four moves that he actually made. I completely agree. I, I think that it speaks volumes about Daryl that he, like you mentioned, several players made comments about, hey, we've got to get tougher. Like we're, we're just getting bullied out here. And I think that it speaks volumes about Daryl listening to that and realizing, okay, this is what the guys are saying. This is what I can actually see on the court and going and making a difference. Because again, PJ Tucker, like you said, we've lacked that dog. We've lacked that toughness. And not only PJ, but like you mentioned, Melton and House, I think that we landed three stud guys who can step into that role immediately and have a huge difference. So I completely agree. I think this is Daryl's best offseason so far. You mentioned that you still think there's one move or one piece away. What, what do you think that is? Not necessarily, I mean, you don't have to name a player, but where do you see that hole? Yeah, you know, right now there's two holes that I think that they have. I, I think that, you know, they're, they're going to, like, well, they have a lot of guys on the bench, like in the wing position, but but they need a, a kind of like a wing leader, someone who can, um, you know, right now we're looking at the guys they got. They can play D, but they can also hit the three. But I think you need someone who can be more multifaceted. You know what I mean? Now, the hope is you can hope and pray that 
you know, maybe someone can develop into that role, right? But they also need, you know, when we're looking at it and, and maybe something we touch on later, but, but I also think that they need a backup big, a reliable backup big. Um, you know, yes, you got uh, Paul Reed, um, B-Ball Paul, but I look at him more as a four playing the five. And then yeah. you have yeah. Charles Bassey, a little bit unknown. But, you know, if we look at the last two years, they went out there and they had Dwight Howard, they had Andre Drummond, two former all-star caliber centers mm -hmm. who filled in for Joel and B. And, you know, I think that that's an area that they can look into. Now, again, you want to see what these young guys are capable of doing. But at the same time, it's always good to at least have a security blanket on the bench. So I, I think that right there is something that this team really needs to look into. So you guys know I'm always pumped about the Sixers, but here's a shout out for something else I'm super hyped about. Griffles Plasma. Yep, this is something that needs to be talked about. A lot of people depend on plasma donations. Patients, hospitals, and even people like me, broke college students. Okay, broke is a strong word, but back in the day, donating plasma legitimately helped me stretch my budget. And Griffles Plasma is a great go-to for extra funds. Why am I talking about plasma? because it is one of the least known topics out there, but it is an important one. Why did the Sixers give DeAndre Jordan so many minutes last season? Okay, that one's still a mystery, but plasma makes medicines. A lot of people depend on these medicines. Giving plasma shows your good side. You can find a center near you at grifflesplasma.com. When you donate, tell them Josh sent you. Are you sick of spending time caring for your lawn? Have you spent too much time mowing it or even just keeping it alive? You tired of wasting resources and money watering it? If you are like me, the answer is yes to all of those. You should consider artificial grass. Beehive Turf out of northern Utah will transform your yard into looking beautiful all year round. Check out Beehive Turf on Instagram. Give them a call today for a free quote. Beehive Turf, take the sting out of caring for your lawn. There have been rumors. David Early had a report that said that maybe the Sixers are looking at Hassan Whiteside, who I personally am shocked that he hasn't landed on a team yet. Um, but I, I agree with you. I, I don't think that I think that this to me is a glaring hole where, yes, you nailed it. You want to play the you want to give the young guy some run. We saw it in the playoffs last year where maybe Paul Reed doesn't make some of those mistakes and commit some of those fouls if he gets a little bit more run during the regular season. But at the same time, when it comes down to like playoffs and actual meaningful minutes, it never hurts to have guys who've been there before. So I, I agree. Do you think that that's something that maybe the Sixers look at a, a white side? I know that there are talk. I, I mean, who knows if it's just rumors about cousins. Is there a veteran big out there who you think the Sixers should look at? You know, the, the thing about cousins is intriguing because of, you know, he his like him and Embiid. People forget when Cousins was on top of his game when he was one of, you know, one of the All Star centers out there. Him and Embiid used to have great matchups. I mean, and a lot of respect there. Um, you, you look at Cousins. You know, he's a guy that has been unable to stick where he's been, right? But you look at him and you say to yourself, like, you know, if he looks at this as, hey, you know, I want to buy in. I want to be a part of something special. It could be part of something special. 
And, you know, I, I think that it, it could work out well. You know, the, the only thing is, I think it's up to him, you know, but I, I think it could work out well where he can go in there. And we all know that, you know, the goal is for to have Joel Embiid play as many games as he can possibly. But then there's going to be some back-to-back situations and Cousins could slide in. The same thing with Whiteside. You know, some people might say, you know, Whiteside's a little bit younger, You, if so. Or, you know, he, he uh, may have a little bit more range and, uh, well, not range, but a little bit more um, versatility, so to speak, yeah, you know, yeah. in, 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 in the tank. So I, I think both of them would be quality guys. Now, the thing is, if I'm white side, I, I think that personally, you know, I think that I would love this. I mean, I would really hope and pray that this could be a situation for me because you look at the other guys, you know, um, um, guys came here with Joel's backup and they moved on to other things and are doing viable things. I think that he could come here and get showcased a little bit, you know, kind of like Andre Drummond did, you know, and then Andre ends up signing with the Chicago Bulls. I think for Whiteside, this could be a place where, you know, he's not going to have to be the man, you know, block shots, make, make some shots, um, grab rebounds. And then next thing you know, you know, he could sign a free agent deal with another team, hopefully more, more, more than a minimum. Yep. I, I totally agree there with Hassan Whiteside, watching him in Utah last year, playing that backup role. I think a lot of, a lot of jazz fans were surprised seeing it. Okay. Wow. Like Whiteside is, he's still, he's still got some ball left in him. He's a mm-hmm. great defender, great shot blocker, which again, coming off the bench and, and backing up Embiid or, or filling in if when Embiid's resting or whatever it may be. I think he could be a great piece. And I like I like that same approach that you just mentioned because I remember thinking that same thing when Drummond signed here. I was I was kind of shocked. He took a tiny deal, but now obviously looking at it, it was exactly to you you nailed it. It was to showcase himself and show the whole NBA, look, I still have really good basketball left in me. And that worked out for him landing in Chicago. I think you're right. I think this could be a great spot. And and with uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Like you mentioned, when I think of Cousins and Embiid, I think of that famous game and that clip where they kept patting each other on the butt. They're yeah. actual, they're actual, like, you can tell they're buddies. They respect each other. And, I mean, that poor dude's career kind of just got derailed with some injuries and he can't stick on. But I also think he's intriguing. I do not think that he, I, him currently, I, I do not think he is a bad backup option either. I think both of those guys, somebody could step in and, and play a big, meaningful role that this team needs. I agree. I agree. And, and I also look at the 76ers as a team just because of, you know, jo- Joel's injury history. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that this is a team that you you are better suited having um, maybe four centers. I mean, you know, three legitimate centers on the roster and yeah. then have a guy like, you know, B-ball Paul, who can actually be like a small ball f- uh, five for you in certain scenarios. But, yeah. you know, just because of the MB thing, it's, it's going to go to one of those things where, you know, MB is not going to play every game. So let's just say if you do have a DeMarcus cousin, um, you know, he can start. Um, and then, you know, a guy like a Charles Bassey could come off the bench in, in, in those type of scenarios. I agree. And, and Bassey is another interesting name I wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. I've seen him. I'm sure you've seen him in the videos, uh, just kind of summer run with Harden and, and getting, the, getting that work in. But Bassey's intriguing to me. He hasn't got an opportunity really on the NBA level yet. 
but I think he's shown enough that, okay, he's capable. Maybe there is something there. Do you think that doc will give him some minutes this year? Obviously if the roster's constructed as is, he has to, but I say that we do sign another backup big. Do you think Bassey will get to showcase himself at all? You know, it's weird. It, it, it depends. Like, you know, he could, you know, I, I think if he gets another backup big, you know, Bassey will probably be the third string. But mm-hmm. if he gets a backup big and it's kind of sort of like the Dwight Howard situation, you remember when the Dwight Howard was the backup, but they realized Dwight played better coming off the bench? Yep. So, you know what I mean? So I, I think Bassey could get some starts that way. You know, yep. unfortunately for Bassey, I mean, I think Bassey is a whole lot better than than people give him credit for. But the problem with it is he was a young guy, a rookie, second round pick who played on a veteran team that had the aspirations to win now. So he, you know, so it was one of those things. He really didn't get a lot of opportunities to show what he could do. But I will say this. I mean, when he did get in, he played well. I mean, you know, his first game that he actually played in a real, I mean, real game was in Utah at Utah in in the season, right? Yep. And then yep. they go to Denver and, and he and he does really good against Joe Jokic. So, you know what I mean? He's a guy who came in and, and he played and he played at a high level. But I will say this, he's also a guy who's a sponge and he and he benefited from having not only Joel, but Andre Drummond in the locker room, learning from those two guys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel like, you know, if even if he doesn't get the opportunity, I, I think He's one of those young men who will benefit from having the DeMarcus Cousins in the locker room from on the basketball side. Yep, I agree there. And and his his resume, I mean, yes, it's the G League, but his resume kind of speaks for itself, right? He being kind of named to the all G League second team, he was all defensive team, all rookie team. Like the dude can play. I completely agree with you that he's kind of got overlooked, but I I I couldn't possibly agree with you more bringing in a veteran big could possibly be the best thing for Bassey and his career in the long run. I totally agree there. Yeah. What? So I want to dive into this. I just read your article. Uh, you published it about a month ago about the new arena. And mm-hmm. I am, I'm fascinated to hear your thoughts because in the article, I'll, I'll post the link uh, when I dropped this episode, but you interviewed a bunch of different fans, season ticket holders to kind of get their thoughts and feelings. I want to know your thoughts. Obviously, like we mentioned, this is your 10th year covering the Sixers. What are your thoughts on the new arena proposal? Are you, what are your thoughts of, I mean, center city where it's located? I want to hear everything you got to think about it. You know, it was funny. My first initial part, like you said, 10, this is my 10th season, right? Going to be my 10th. My first initial thought was, wow, will I ever be around to like walk in the building? Like as far as, as at least as a media member. I mean, that's what I was thinking, really my initial thought. You know, um, initially, so there's a lot of people who, you know, there are people that I talk to and and it's kind of split. And, you know, people, some people are saying like, look, why are they doing this? This is downtown. You know, Philadelphia is a danger zone down there. And other people like, this is great. You know, my thoughts are, it's better to own than to rent. Agreed. You know what I mean? And, you know, I, I look at it as a, as a business standpoint. I also initially, when I thought about it, I didn't think about LA. I didn't think about Sacramento or, or places like that where they built a downtown arena 
and like they say, build it, they will come. My my thoughts went to Detroit. Like yeah. I remember when I first came on the beat, they used to play in Auburn Hills, right? Yep. And, you know, people were like, you don't want to go to Detroit. It's dangerous down there. Is 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 this and that? Now all of a sudden, you see like single female women jogging with their dogs at two o'clock in the morning downtown yeah. Detroit yeah. near the <laughs> arena because it's kind of like it's funny. There used to be a bunch of abandoned buildings. Now they're hotels, they're restaurants. It's like it re is revitalizing the downtown area. So when my initial thought is yes. They have to do something about the transportation, the mm -hmm. parking, all that other stuff. But I look at it and I and I say they have 10 years to make it happen. And I want to see how the downtown area comes back through this arena. Now, that was my thought. I initially started thinking about the, the changes I saw in Detroit. And believe me, you know, I know people were telling me that that was the worst thing that the the Pistons could have done because they felt like no one was going to go down there, yeah. but it's changing the whole area. I mean, regentifying that area down there. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. That was my first initial thought as well was look at this from a business standpoint. A lot of the complaints that I've heard about Sixers games at the Wells Fargo center is, Hey, parking is too expensive. Hey, yes. Wells Fargo just dumped a bunch of money in as far as renovations goes. But when you don't own the building, there's certain things that you have no control over, and that is one of them. So looking at it from that perspective and that standpoint, yes, of course this makes sense. When you own the building, you can do whatever you want. Like you mentioned, yes, the transportation and the parking, that's a whole separate issue in itself, and I will be fascinated to see what they do there and just how they make it work. But I agree. I think this could really be the best possible situation as far as location goes. Because it will. All it's going to do is clean up the surrounding area. Like you mentioned, businesses, hotels, all the bars and restaurants. I mean, I, I'm just, it, yes, it's forever in the future, but I'm just trying to imagine like a game day experience where you go out and there's a whole street full of these new restaurants and bars and, and everything is clean and nice and new. Like, I, it could absolutely use that. I mean, me and you both know that Center City could absolutely use that. So looking at it from that perspective, I completely 100% agree. And then as I mentioned, it's just going to be weird that, I mean, this will be the first, they'll be the first major team in Philadelphia to leave the little sports complex. And that's going to, uh, that's going to take some getting used to, but honestly, if this goes as planned and, and the arena goes well, and, and everybody's happy with the location, I do not think that the flyers are far behind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would hope, I mean, the flyers are probably going to say, but look, we're going to get a hockey owned arena because they probably want to get that money too. I mean, yep. and the thing about it, or they want to keep that money. The thing about it is, you know, what we're talking about is, you know, 10 years from now. So, mm -hmm. you know, if it doesn't get fixed in 10 years, the, the things that they're trying to do transportation wise, then, then we have bigger problems, True. you know, True. and, and, you know, the one thing I talked about Detroit, but, you know, the people who tell me um, in LA, they all say, no one went downtown in LA before, before they built that arena, the yeah. Staples Center, you know, now, you know, uh, it has a different name, but, but, you know, it was one of those things down, they got LA Live, they got all types of things, mm -hmm. ESPN is even down there, so, you know, I, I feel like 
yes, initially it always sounds crazy. People are, are, are scared to go there. They, they, they have so many um, concerns. It's not as convenient as, let's say, coming off of 95 or, you know, going to South Philly. But at the same time, the city has 10 years to make this thing work. Yep. Detroit is a great comp. I mean, like you mentioned, if somebody's feeling comfortable going out on a run at night by themselves in downtown Detroit, then they, they did something right. That arena did something right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. I, yeah, I totally agree. So jumping back to the roster side of things, I want to know with the roster right now, with the moves that we've made this off season, do you feel like our roster is a actual contender? Yes, you mentioned maybe we're another piece or two away. And and I fully feel like those will happen, whether it's before the season or, or stepping into it. But do you think that we are on a path, maybe the best in Joel Embiid's career, to actually being a contender to getting to the Eastern Conference Finals and actually competing for a title? You know what? I think it all depends on what uh, which James Harden shows up. Mm-hmm. Like if James Harden comes back and plays like he played last year, no. If he can, if he can find like the fountain of youth, or if he can somehow slip on that uh, Houston Rockets jersey, or whatever, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. I, I think, I think they can contend. See, the problem right now with the 76ers is when you look at their roster and you look at the moves that they made. You know, great moves to bring in toughness, but they weren't better than the uh, Milwaukee Bucks nor were they better than the Boston Celtics. You look at it now, I know Gallinari Gallinari was injured in, you know, in the the European Championship or trying, you know, the the, the games trying to qualify, qualify for it. But you look at the moves that they made with Malcolm Brock, right? Um, And they had a young team that bringing just basically everyone back. I think that that's a team, that's the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Outside of that, I think it's the Milwaukee Bucks, right? Now, we yeah. don't know what the Bro- – you know, Brooklyn Nets, on paper, three all-stars, right? Ben yeah. Simmons, um, Kevin Durant, Kyrie. But the problem is you're waiting for it to implode, right? Yeah. You're yeah. waiting for combat. Exactly. You know what I mean? But I, I just right now, I think that the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks – are a, a step ahead of the 76ers. Now, if James Harden, we know he lost weight. We see him working out all the time. But if James Harden could go back to being the the, the, the MVP caliber James Harden, three-time scoring champion caliber James Harden, then the Sixers have a chance to compete. Yeah. But if contend, but if not, I, I, I look at them as being the third best team in the Eastern conference and, and having a tough time getting out of the second round. That's, that's really fair because you're exactly right. Boston, who just made a run at a, a actual title run. They not only brought everybody back, but they got better. The Malcolm Brogdon deal, bringing in Gallinari, like those are perfect pieces for their roster. And you're exactly right. I think they are the team to beat. And then Milwaukee, I mean, they want it. They've, they've been there. They've, they've been on top of the mountain. So of course, having their core together is only going to continue to keep them at the top. But I agree. It's nice to see these moves. It's nice to see we've got some depth. It's nice to see we've got some dogs. But at the end of the day, you're 100% right. It's all going to fall down to, okay, are our star players going to actually show up? And, I mean, 
you everybody can speculate. Who knows if Harden was still dealing with his hamstring? He just wasn't in shape. I, I mean, everybody can throw out their uh, their version of it, but mm-hmm. you're right. We've seen the pictures, we've seen the videos, we've seen actually the team hanging out together in the off season, which everybody loves to see. Like they're actually gelling. It seems like they get along. But if Harden can come back, and honestly, I said this on an earlier episode, but if he can capture even just a, a half a percentage of what he was. I mean, you mentioned it. If he can just throw on that Houston Rockets jersey underneath the Sixers jersey and relive those those glory days, I mean, that's what it's going to take because we know as long as Embiid's healthy and on the floor, we know what he's going to be. He he continues to just improve, impress, dominate on the floor. We know he's going to bring that consistency. It's okay. Can we bring another consistent star with us? I. I I want to ask you as well about Tyrese Maxey, who was turned into Philadelphia's just darling child. And I love it. Every time I see a picture of him, I just, he's the happiest human who's ever lived. He has nothing but good vibes around him, surrounding him, whether he's going to a Phillies game or, or a soccer game, whatever it may be. Do you think that, I mean, seeing the step that Maxey even took last year was, I think, shocking to all of us. Do you think he's even got another level that he can step up to this year? I do. I, I think um, because when we look at Maxi, you know, last year was one of those things where, you know, the knock on him was, you know, he, he he's not a point guard, right? Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's a guy who would come in, you know, he's like, you know, a Shake Milton type, a guy who would come in and just get buckets for you, but he can't make teammates better, right? Yeah. Um, and then it got to a point, look, well, what can he do? Can he play off the ball with James Harden? Is, is, you know, does he, is, would he be better utilized just coming off the bench? We don't know how, we all thought that, that he was going to suffer the most playing with Harden. Yeah. And it came out that there were times when, you know, it, he was more consistent and, and better than Harden in the playoff, yeah, you know, yeah. to, to a point where the Toronto Raptors were like, look, we want Harden to shoot. We want Harden <laughs> to shoot, right? Yep. yep. So, so I, I feel like, you know, this is a guy who works hard. If last year was anything, it was, and I'm not saying he lacked confidence, but last year was anything, it was a confidence boost for him. Yeah. So I feel like right now he's going in there saying, look, I'm the third star. I yep. know Tobias is a great player, but in order for me, in order for the Sixers to excel right now, I have to be that guy. And And I feel like, you know, right now, He's going to take that next step because Harden has a lot of faith in him. Joel mm-hmm. has faith in him. And so does Tobias, you know, so, so, but, but these other two guys are very important that for them to, to have faith in him and wanting him to excel, like he's going to be the young guy. He's going to be able to do things. So, yeah, I look at him as being able to take that step. I don't know if he's going to be, there are going to be some people like all-star, all-star. I don't know if he's going to be that just yeah. because like, you know, the, the team would have to have uh, uh, the best record. They're going to have to do a lot of things to get three. But I think that, you know, at the end of the day, we'll, we'll find out that in order for them to be successful, he's going to have to be the most vital player, not the best player, but yeah. the mo- most vital, being able to go with the flow of the game, take over when he has to, and, and things like that. So, yeah, I do believe that he'll take another step. I can't wait to see it again. Just watching him play is, and just how happy and just bringing that joy every time he steps on the floor. It's, it's been pretty cool to see his, I, I, I think it's honestly like it was the perfect storm, right? Because he, he got meaningful minutes during the whole Ben Simmons drama. 
And I don't think anybody in Philadelphia thought that Maxi would turn into what he is as quickly as he did. So to see him kind of become this darling child of, holy moly, we have a legitimate star on our hands or a potential star. I, I, I think you're right. I, I don't, I think it's safe to pump the brakes a little bit on the all-star talk, like you mentioned, just because that is uh, almost feels a little bit unrealistic, but I mean, it, who knows if we come out of the gate and we've got the best record at all-star break and Maxie's doing what he, we, we know him to do. I, I mean, it's not the craziest thought, but I agree. I completely agree. So I want to talk with you about these. Uh, we've talked about our depth. We've talked about the pieces we brought in. I want to talk about some of the pieces we already have had. And it almost seems like Matisse Thibel is kind of the, the forgotten name. It, it seems like during the Toronto series, just kind of some wind was taken out of the sails with him not being able to play in Toronto and, and his, his lack of, of being able to improve his three point shot is, it's just kind of bummed everybody out. I barely saw the first video of him working on his handle. Where do you think Matisse falls this year with us only getting deeper, him playing that wing role where we brought in really good defenders. Where does Matisse fall in this rotation? How how does this differ from his role last year? You know, I I think it depends on Matisse, you know, and, 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 you know, and and what I mean by that is like, I don't see, you know, at this particular time, I, I look at a guys like Tobias and I look at, um, uh, PJ Tucker, you know, I, I think that, you know, PJ Tucker, you know, can, is going to be in the starting lineup. I, I think that Tobias is going to be in the starting lineup, but I think that if Matisse is, is worked hard and is improved in his jumpers, I think it's going to be hard for them to keep them off the floor. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and not only that, let's face it. I mean, he's a guy that the team was trying to trade. He's a guy that probably has, more like, you know, what Tyrese Rax- Maxey has the most trade value of one of the young players, but he seems to be a guy that they're not trying to get rid of. Yep. So when you look at a guy like Matisse, you know, if you're trying to trade him, let's say if they were, you're going to have to play him. But yep. the thing, the one thing I will say about Matisse is that, you know, I, I think that a lot of people fell off the bandwagon, especially after, you know, he was unvaccinated, right? But when you look at this guy, you know, you, you look at his rookie year was his best year from th- shooting a three. After that, he hadn't had time to work on it. The one year was like the pandemic, the COVID. He wasn't able to do it. Then the following year, you know, he played for Australia. So yeah. he spent his time like, you know, com- playing competitive basketball as opposed to getting in the lab and reinventing himself. Yeah. This has been a summer where he's done most of that. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, even though there are some people who are down on him right now, I think that we'll see a more improved Matisse. And if and if if he is more improved, I think it's going to be hard to keep him off the floor because, you know, he's athletic. He's one of the league's best defenders. Yeah. And, and those are the type of things uh, he can get to the basket, you know, move without the ball. So I, I think that those are the type of things that is really going to help guys like Joel and, and, and James Harden, you know, excel. So, you know, I, I think, and like, let's face it, like who is there, when you look at perimeter defenders that we, that we know of, that's kind of like a weakness that this team has, yeah. you know, so you got Melton coming in, you have uh, Matisse, and then you hope Daniel House could do it. 
So I feel like, you know, if Matisse is knocking down shots, he's going to play and he's yeah. going to play a lot. Yep, I agree. The thought of having a Matisse who can consistently knock down threes alongside these dudes like P.J. Tucker and Daniel House, I mean, it's impossible not to be excited from that look of things. I, I love Matisse. I always have. I hope that he genuinely can come into this season improved and show, hey, I legit have been working on my shot. Because you're right. I mean, taking the Philly fan goggles off, he really hasn't. I mean, when you play in the Olympics, that's turns out that's a really big, big time commitment. And it's not giving you the time to be in the lab, working on your game, working on everything like he needs to be. So I agree. This is really his first off season where he can really work on his game, work on his shot. Man, I really, really hope that we can see an improved Matisse because you nailed it. He really is, as is, he is the one of the best perimeter defenders in the entire league. So if you can just make him that much more lethal, I mean, it's the sky's the limit, truly. Now, one other, one other uh, bench player I wanted to mention is, is Niang. I love Niang. I feel like when he was brought in, he was almost given too much because of our lack of depth and plus of injuries, things like that. It was like he was playing too many minutes. He was like our sixth or seventh man off the bench. When in reality, looking at where he thrived in Utah was, hey, he is much more reserved, much better when he is the eighth man off the bench where he comes in, chucks up threes. That's all he needs to do. With our moves we've made, bringing in these wings, do you think that this helps Niang improve do you think this gets him minutes where he needs to be getting minutes yeah i agree i i think it does they relied heavily on him and he got exploited a little bit on defense people started to attack him but when you look at him that's what it is he's a guy that's going to come in you know like play maybe five fewer minutes and 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 then you know knock down threes for you right yeah. um you know, I, I think the, the thing that really didn't help him is um, the fact that, you know, he had a bad knee. But at the same time, when you look at, you know, he can say that and we can say that. But the people from the outside looking in is like, OK, Pompey, but why didn't it work out for him in Utah? How come he was unplayable in the playoffs for Utah? Right. So I feel like right now is, is one of those things where you got these other type of guys you can use him more as a situational guy yep. as opposed to having him being, cause you know, he was the sixth man at one point, you yeah. know, he was <laughs> that guy. He started a couple of times. He, he, he started, uh, he, he started, he started a couple of times. Yeah. So, you know, it is one of those things where I think that getting his depth is going to help out. Also the, the hope is that a guy like, um, What's his name? A, a guy like B-Ball Paul, Paul Reed, yeah. can develop and can take over some of those minutes that, uh, that you know, that that he had. You know what I mean? Like doing yeah. some of the things that he did. Because, you know, Paul Reed is probably a more athletic, a better defender. And yep. he ain't coming and just knock down shots. Yep, I agree. Nothing nothing made me happier last year than seeing Harden essentially yell at Niang and say, shoot, like shoot more. You're a shooter. <laughs> <laughs> Just come off the bench and let him fly. So I agree. I think bringing in these wings, allowing them to take over those minutes, Niang is not a six man. And to your point, yes, it didn't work out with Niang in Utah strictly because of that. Watching him play meaningful minutes in the playoffs, having to put the ball on the floor, 
having to play defense. Like that's, that's not who Niang is. That's not why we brought him here. We brought him here because of who he is as a, as an offensive player and as a shooter. So I think this will allow Niang to move into that role a little bit more and thrive really. And I'm excited to see it because that when that dude gets hot, he gets hot and it's still so fun to watch because it's almost like NBA players still think he's the most unassuming guy. All of a sudden he hits two in Giannis's eye. It's like, okay, I need to actually step up and start respecting this man. And I love it. I love his heat checks too. It's, it's fun to watch. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's the man. So looking at a, you mentioned B-ball Paul as well. I love what you said about looking at him as more of a four being able to be a little bit more athletic. He can, yeah, he can stretch the floor a little bit. He's a better defender. Do you think that Paul Reed gets some serious run this year, seeing what he did in the playoffs last year and, and seeing Doc, we'll talk about Doc in a second, but seeing Doc finally like say, hey, we're going to sit DeAndre and, and give these minutes to B-ball Paul. Do you think he continues to build on that this year? Do you think that, wh- where does he fall in? You know, and, and that's a great question because it depends on, you know, I, I think you, I, I think that he'll get a lot of opportunities, at least in the regular season, based mm-hmm. on because you talked about, you just mentioned Doc. What Doc likes to do is he likes keeping guys fresh. And when you see a guy like PJ Tucker, you know, you got him here to, to hopefully go deep in the playoffs. Yeah. So you don't want a 37 year old accumulating a lot of minutes. So the hope is that you can go, you can have a deep team in the regular season. And I think that will give B-Ball Paul a lot of opportunities, you know, at 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 the at a four or five, so to speak, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think like, you know, there'll be some evaluation in in the uh, in the playoffs. You're like, you know, let's see what we got, you know, moving forward with this rotation. So I do see him getting some some burn now. But the the thing is, now that you have a guy like Tobias, let's assume that the starting five is is uh, Tobias Harris, um, P.J. Tucker, Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Tyrese Maxey. Well, when you stagger things, let's say if Tobias starts out at the three, well, if you stagger it and then uh, P.J. Tucker goes out first, then you'll probably move Tobias to the four. So what that is, depending on how many minutes they all play, and then we also have, you know, Niang, you know, it, it may take away some all some of the minutes that Paul Reed will play in regards to, you know, the maximum amount that he could play just because of the staggering. But yeah. I think that he can do certain things that a lot of them can't with, you know, being younger and, and more athletic that I think that, you know, he's going to demand some minutes, but, but at the same time, how many just because of the Tobias factor I'm unsure of. Yeah. I get, I, I totally agree. And that is it. That's an interesting thought too. Just as far as the staggering the minutes go, you're exactly right. If, if you move Tobias to the four, then that opens it up. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see the rotations and who gets what minutes, but I agree there. I, I hope that Paul Reed gets an opportunity uh, at least in the regular season. Like you said, obviously paying PJ Tucker 10 million a year at his age to bring him in. You're not hoping he plays all 82 games during the regular season at a lot of minutes each game like you you nailed it you bring him in to make a long run in the postseason so i i agree i hope that that gives these guys these younger guys a little bit of opportunity especially with paul reed goes so i mentioned doc mm-hmm. i want to hear your i want to hear your thoughts on doc everybody it seems like it's a mixed bag when doc came here everybody was happy everybody knows doc 
and it seems like, I mean, it's Philly, right? So of course there's going to be unhappy people all the time, but I personally liked seeing doc make the adjustment last year in the playoffs, realizing, okay, Deandre Jordan isn't getting it done. Let's play Paul Reed. I liked seeing that. Do you think that doc rivers can win a coach? Do you, or can win a championship as the head coach of the Sixers? Do you think he's the guy to do it? You know, I think he could win one. I, I do. And, and I'm with you. Like, I, I you you hear it. Like, I have some of my friends when Doc first came here, they're like, yeah, man, we're going to the chip. I said, well, you guys realize he just took over a squad. That, that stack was, squad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, he took over a squad that was swept in the first round. Yeah. Right? You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and they were like, oh, but he can do it. He can do it. You know, I, I kind of, you know, I, I think, that, but, but then all of a sudden they were like, Get him out of here. We're tired yeah. of Doc. We're tired of Doc, right? Uh-huh. And so the thing is, is, is one of those things. I think, now I get it. The first year, they had the best record in the East. But that was kind of like the COVID season. Like, yep. how many times did they go into a game where the other team's best players weren't playing? Yeah, right? a ton. Yep. A ton. And then we came down to the thing that always happens. Joel and B gets injured. You know, we had the whole Ben Simmons situation. Mm-hmm. So they lose in the second round and people like get rid of them. the same thing last year. You know, I think that, you know, last year's team, when they made that trade, yes, they got James Harden, but they also gave up the backup big that we that turned out that they, they needed because Embiid was hurt, got injured and they gave up their best shooter and they couldn't really buy a bucket. In, in, in the playoffs against the Miami Heat, right? Yep, yep. So, so I, I think that they lost a lot of depth, and it's hard when you get a guy like James Harden who, who didn't perform up to what his expectation, the expectation was. So I think that Doc got a lot of, of flat for it, and it's easy to bring up the second-round exits, you know, all this and that. But I think that, you know, if, if he gets a roster – um, and, and this team is, is capable of going, yeah, he can win a championship. But I, yeah. I feel yeah. like that the last two years, the Sixers just weren't as good or as healthy um, as everyone in Philadelphia thought they were. Agreed. I think he is, you nailed it. He's gotten so much flack and some of it rightfully. I, I understand yeah. that some stuff falls on the coach. I get that. But you nailed it. The last two seasons, we just strictly haven't been better than teams. If you lose to the Atlanta Hawks, you do not deserve to make a title run. You simply don't. And I don't think that that Ben Simmons just not wanting to be aggressive. That doesn't fall on Doc Rivers and everybody pointing. And there were a bunch of people who tried to blame this whole Ben Simmons situation on Doc with what he said about Simmons. It's like, no, come on, everybody take a step back. And at the end of the day, I think you're right. It's it Philly's its own beast. You know this. You've been here for forever. That yeah. it's it's fans here are crazy and and in a good way and bad way. And I think that Doc has gotten a lot of heat. I think he's got blamed for a lot of things. That I mean, James Harden was a shell of himself last year. You nailed it. We lost DeAndre Drummond or Andre Drummond. We lost Seth Curry. Those are the missing pieces in this in the playoffs last year. It doesn't have anything to do with Doc. And maybe a little bit, as but as far as him tweaking lineups and, and getting players minutes, but you nailed it. It's simple roster move. So I'm with you. If this is the year and this is the roster we think we have, then yeah, I 100% agree. I think that Doc 
can be the coach. He showed it in the past that, hey, he's capable of it. He's a great coach. Clearly, players love him. So, yeah, I agree. It just is so funny. Again, it's it seems like it changes every day. We could we could start the season 15 and 0 and then lose one game and there will still be Sixers fans who are like, get him out, get him out of here. It's like, all right, <laughs> everybody bump the brakes a bit. But yeah, I, I'm very, very curious to see. I'm curious to see what we look like. And as we mentioned, all of our lineups and it's nice now, it's nice to look at our roster and say, wow, we've got depth. Like we have issues going into the season that we haven't really dealt with before. Like who's going to get what minutes? We've never looked at it like that. So there's a lot of things to be excited about moving into this season. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I can't wait. I wish it was tomorrow morning. I'm just really excited. I'm ready for it to, to get, uh, to get started. You man, I'm, I'm tired. I'm getting restless. Like, yo, <laughs> this thing started. <laughs> no kid. I'm sick of all these Donovan Mitchell trade rumors. I just want, I want real basketball. Let's get it going. Yeah. Let's get it going. So wanted to ask you this. We'll end with this, Keith. You've again, we've mentioned a couple times. This is will be your 10th season covering the Sixers. As we talked about before we started recording, 10 years of covering the Sixers franchise, especially the last 10 years. That's like two lifetimes of any other fan base, just with everything that, that the Sixers have gone through and you covering them. That said, out of all the ups and downs, what season has been your favorite covering the Sixers? Which season has been my favorite? And I know that's that's a loaded question, right? Because, I mean, as a fan, I look at it, and honestly, the process, some of the process years were some of my favorite years of basketball. And that's funny, but I'm not going to compare that to, oh, yeah, no, we have a team right now with James Harden and Joel Embiid. You know what I'm saying? Seasons, the seasons are really running together, running yeah. together. But I want to say um, the year – when they went from the process, I want to say Ben Simmons' rookie year. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. That they actually played. And the reason being is because, as you notice, like, that's when they, like, they ended the season with a 16-game winning streak. Mm -hmm. without, had, without Joel, right? Uh, well, well, the last couple games they played without Joel. But mm -hmm. that's when he had the mask on his face, right? Yep, the yep. The first one. Yeah, so... And then they had Ersan Ilovisova, Marco Bellinelli. And then they went from being one of the worst teams in franchise history to, to losing to the Boston Celtics in five games in the second round. That's when that was fun because mm -hmm. you went from seeing empty faces. I mean, excuse me, empty arenas. There used to be people sleep sitting in like the <laughs> second row couple of times I went there, they had guys with a, a bag on their head. I mean, they used to get <laughs> joked at and laughed at on the road. And yep. then all of a sudden, you saw the Wells Fargo Center having sellouts at yeah. the end of the season. You saw, like, the excitement of a playoff. And, um, you know, I have to say that that probably was the best season because, you know, before that, I mean, you were going in there and it was like 26-game losing streaks. You know, yeah. it was it was like 30 guys on a roster like it was it was just ridiculous. But this was the re a first real semblance of what this team could be and um, bring in excitement and, and, and pride back to the city. That, yeah, that that team and that squad, like you said, with Ilya Silva and Bellinelli, that Miami series to open the playoffs. That was fun, fun, fun. That was uh, seeing Simmons just lead run and gun and. 
Reddick and everybody just chucking up threes. That was a fun time. That was some fun basketball. I can only imagine what it'd be like to cover them like you. That that's especially going from nothing. Like you mentioned, I uh, we'll end with this. Sorry. I keep throwing on questions here. What was it like covering the process Sixers? Like how, like you mentioned, there were years where you had just so many dudes on the roster, nothing really exciting to write about. How was that for you? How did that affect your job? I mean, it was always something going on, so it wasn't bad. I mean, it was a lot of stories, you know, and it was always different players coming in there. You know what I mean? It was, you know, like from the game standpoint, like you kind of knew going into the game, oh, oh, that, oh man, they, they got to play the Spurs tonight. <laughs> Good luck. You know what I mean? Things like that. You knew, like, the game was over at half sometimes. That'd be yeah. But I'm going to give you this one story about the process. And this is the type of stories we had. And it was fun. Like all the time, they kept making these trades and or they kept waving people and bringing new guys in. Right. Mm -hmm. So there was this we go to this one, um, this one place and we asked the guy we're on the road and we asked the guy, hey, man, like you got a nickname or something like that. He said, yeah, man, they call me hassle. So we like hassle. Why they call you hassle? Because I'm a hassle on D. You know, I just get in. So like, all right. So Brett Brown puts him in. At that point, you signed with the team. You want to shoot around if you were, if you signed, you know, the night before. If not, you just showed up at the game. Well, hassle, you know, he shows up. Brett Brown puts him in. And the guy he's guarding basically, like, does a move on him and goes in and dunks the ball, right? So we're like, dang, that was that was easy. So then Hassel comes down and he fires up an air ball three. Brett Brown calls a timeout, and that was the end. Hassel, <laughs> but like, so it was things like that that always kept you amused and and, 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 and you know kept you writing stuff. But it, it was uh, it was I mean it was crazy, man. But it was like that, and like all these guys had like a false sense of self, like. You know, yeah. they were going to be the second coming of, uh, you know, uh, Scotty Pippen or something, you know. That, that is so amazing. Yeah, I guess you're right. I haven't looked at it from that perspective, but having all these new faces and new players with all these egos and attitudes thinking this is their time, that is, that's amazing. Whoever Hassle is, God bless his soul. Good, good for him. I hope he's still got that confidence wherever he's at. Yeah, I, I feel sorry, bro, because you know who you are, but, <laughs> yeah. but I, I didn't want to say your name. No, but, no. Hey, you're, you're <laughs> that is too good. Well, Keith, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Really genuinely appreciate it. Um, you guys can follow Keith on Twitter. Again, great follow. Keith, you are the man, truly. I really appreciate you jumping on here. Hey, thanks for having me on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Keith. Again, what an awesome guy and really appreciate him jumping on here. That was really fun. Got another giveaway going. I am teaming up with my friend at Die Hard Philly. Now, I just have to give him a shout out because they make the single coolest custom Philly hoodies I've ever seen. I'm not just saying that. They've got Philly versus everybody hoodies where you get to pick out what four patches of the teams are on the sleeves. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're giving them. That's what we're giving away. Winner gets to design their own. And I'm super hyped. Post it on my Twitter. Post it on my Instagram. Again, shout out Die Hard Philly, man. These things are truly unbelievable. And I can't wait to give one away. So check that out. 
I really appreciate you guys tuning in, listening again. Absolutely love every single one of you. I say it every week. Well, let's have another good week. Be nice to somebody. I always say like, hey, hold the door open for somebody or text somebody. But for real, I mean it. Whoever that person is who you're thinking of and you miss them or haven't talked to them in a while, just shoot them a text. I do it all the time. Just shoot them a text. Tell them what up. Tell them you love them. And uh, that's it, man. Let's have a good week. Super pumped for you guys to hear our uh, guest next week as well. Another Philly legend himself. Can't wait for you to listen. Hope you all have a great week. And let's go Utes. Can't wait to go to the swamp. Going to be awesome. But truly, you guys are great. And uh, that's all, folks. 